live stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers and CJ Vogel. A lot of breaking news actually today, uh, a lot, and I mean seriously, uh, for, a, for a Friday afternoon, it's been a Friday afternoon news dump of sorts, uh, running back Jonathan Brooks, a uh, young man that, out of Hallettsville that came to the University of Texas uh, as a uh, potential, uh, just a backup running back the last couple of years behind Roshan uh, Johnson and B. John Robinson. Made a real name for himself today, or this year, Rod and, and CJ. About 10 minutes ago, he officially declared for the NFL draft via Twitter. Uh, my three years at the university has been an amazing journey, going from five and seven to making it to the college football playoff. I just want to thank God for the opportunity he has blessed me with. I also want to thank all my coaches over the past three years. With that being said, he goes on to thank his mom, his family, as well as his coaches and teammates. He's forever grateful for the support and consistent love that y'all give me. Uh, with that being said, I will be doing what I feel is in the best interest for me and my family. I'm excited to announce that I will be declaring for the 2024 NFL Draft. Congratulations <laughs> to that young man. Rod, uh, going to go to you first. Uh, this the right decision, you think, for, uh, for uh, 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 Jonathan Brooks? I do think it's the right decision for the young man, um, especially at the running back position. Uh, I don't know if his stock will be high at, at this high when he comes back. And I know he's coming off the injury. That's uh, obviously very unfortunate for him. Um, but he's got some quality film out there. I mean, before he, the injury, this guy was the front runner to win the Doak Walker Award as the best running back in the country. And by a lot of draft experts and draft analysts, by their uh, draft boards and by their draft rankings, he was the top running back on the board. Even Pro Football Focus had him as their top running back on the board. I believe they still do, even after the injury. Uh, with the news that he's coming out. So as long as he's high up on a lot of teams' boards, I think that he'll, he'll get drafted. He's he's obviously going to be uh, dropped down because of the valuation of the running back position overall. I don't even know if there will be a running back drafted in the first round this this year, period. Uh, last year you had two with Jameer Gibbs and John Robinson. So let's just say he drops down to, to the uh, maybe second or third round just because of that alone. And then you throw on top of the injuries that he's got. He's not going to work out. He'll interview really well because he's a nice young man. I think everybody, uh, you know, as Ted said, great things about him. Um, so I think right now I'm looking at him as a third round pick for someone potentially. Um, and if depending on the injury and the timeline of it, I think a team should just put him on the practice squad for a year, let him get completely healthy, and then you'll get first round value out of a you know, third round pick potentially. That's what the NFL is all about, man. Finding value. And he's, that's what you could get out of Jonathan Brooks right now. A lot of great value. One other thing, I've got a couple other uh, pieces of news to pass along here for uh, Texas fans as well. Uh, let's start with the two recruits that Texas is trying to bring in this weekend. Uh, it's our understanding Texas is attempting to bring in two transfer portal prospects, Houston defensive lineman Jamari Caldwell, uh, originally from South Carolina in Newberry, South Carolina. Uh, he really had an outstanding game against Texas, uh, two sacks against the Longhorns. When he went out, Texas finally was able to start running the ball against that three-man front that the Cougars deployed. And then also C.J. Daniels, a wide receiver out of Liberty. Uh, guys, I told y'all and, and mentioned this, uh, that Texas wanted someone that would be highly productive from, a, uh, from the wide receiver position. Daniels is actually a grad transfer. So he could be a grad transfer with uh, potentially two years left. Um, he had 55 catches and 10 touchdowns this year, including eight receptions against Oregon in their bowl game. He was seemingly the only guy 
for them that could get open. He's a really originally out of Lilburn Parkview High School uh, in Georgia. Uh, Texas attempting to get both of those guys on campus. CJ, those guys fit what you think Texas is looking for in the transfer portal? Yeah, specifically with C.J. Daniels, you're talking about a guy who is a big play waiting to happen. Uh, 55 receptions, uh, basically 1,000 yards. I think he was about 10 or 12 short and 10 touchdowns. He's averaging 21 yards a, uh, a reception. And in this Texas offense who is you know, really starting to stretch the field and get those intermediate to deep passes kind of under the belt of Quinn Ewers, that's going to be really important uh, to have a threat like that next year. Someone who, you know, as we've talked about, Bobby and Rod, there, there aren't right now – uh, aside from maybe a Matthew Golden, there isn't anybody on the Texas wide receiver group right now that's going to put fear vertically into opposing you know defenses in their scheme uh, coming into games. So that's huge. Should Texas be involved there and eventually land C.J. Daniels? And then we've obviously talked about how impressive the Texas running game defensively is and stopping the run and being you know that, that big force up front with Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Alfred Collins potentially coming back as well. Uh, and, and now Trill Carter enters the portal. There's a big need right now on the interior defensive line. Are those guys behind that group I just mentioned ready to roll? Can you throw Sadir Mitchell and Jeray Bloodsoe and Aaron Bryant into the fire right away? It's nice to have some uh, some options there. And I think as we, we've talked about, two sacks and a number of, of impactful moments in the run game against Texas this year, the Texas staff is well aware of the prospect that Jamar Caldwell is and what he can bring to the table. All right, uh, got another piece of news here. Uh, Bo Davis, uh, the much-wanted defensive line coach at the University of Texas. I'm being told by sources close to the program that Davis expecting to stay at Texas despite overtures from not only LSU but other programs as well. LSU, of course, is alma mater, so uh, that might be uh, uh, very interesting to him. Uh, but it looks like he is staying at the University of Texas. That's a big one for the Longhorns as is this news about Jamari Caldwell, C.J. Daniels, and, of course, Jonathan Brooks. A big news day, so to speak, uh, for the Longhorns. I'm going to add one more to you, C.J. and Rod. Trill Carter, the defensive lineman uh, that transferred to Texas out of, uh, out of uh, Minnesota, has now entered the transfer portal as a, uh, as a grad transfer. Uh, this is a look at currently of the number of players from Texas that have entered the portal. It's 10 in total. CJ, take us down this list and talk about this, this stat line that you created that, that includes career starts. Yeah, of course. You know, Texas, a couple of these guys were additions from other programs, but in terms of how many games that they started at the University of Texas, those 10 departures that we've seen enter the portal right now have only accounted for nine total starts as Texas long. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
I think I think uh, CJ just froze on us, guys. Um, he said nine total starts uh, as of this one. You mentioned Jalen. Uh, we look at Jalen Catalan. He's the one with the most. I think CJ's back now. Let's add him back in. CJ, go ahead, buddy. You froze for a second. Yeah, sorry about that. No, it, it, it's just Texas, from what we've seen this past season, hasn't necessarily lost a whole lot of key pieces to the portal. Obviously, the NFL is a completely different story, but that's something you can build upon with recruiting, uh, pitching to these guys that can join your program eventually that you put guys in the NFL. Portal, not so much. And so uh, I'm looking at guys like Trill Carter. Uh, Bobby, I know you were high on Isaiah Nayor as a guy who, you know, could be a potential – you know, a guy that Texas misses out on next year, should they not be able to fill that wide receiver room? I actually look at Casey Kane as someone that, you know, has put, you know, receptions on the field, uh, doesn't have two years off, sort of say, but really just those three that you could really make a strong argument for right now, and especially down the, the, the second half of the season for Texas to really miss out on uh, their additions to the program. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting to me that, that they've only got 10 right now. There are still two more days, CJ and Rod, uh, before players can announce their decisions to transfer from Texas. Texas added on five days. It was January 2nd, or it was it was either January 2nd or five days after your college football playoff game. So it's January 6th uh, for the University of Texas players when they will have to announce their intent uh, to transfer. We'll be tracking that all weekend, all weekend long. Rod, what do you make about this? Uh, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. Bevy of news on a Friday afternoon? Because it's kind of crazy that that all this news breaking almost simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and I think you got a lot more of the news that Longhorn fans are expecting, right? <laughs> that we haven't heard about guys and whether they're uh, returning to school or whether they're departing. Um, so I just think it's an exciting time. It, it feels like there's a lot of news because it's an exciting time. Texas coming off the – and it's just good for Longhorn fans. So they can get past the, you know, the, the the somber mood they were in post Sugar Bowl. Longhorn fans, I know they got into a little bit of a funk after that, talking about the game, reviewing it, what could have been. Um, but now it's like fa- kind of a fast and furious kind of rush now, starting the new year with all the headlines. And I think Longhorn fans are already thinking about the next the next team, right? The 2024 version of these Texas Longhorns. So it's a good thing to have this much news. It really is. I mean, you look at it right now and it's, it's ongoing in one of those situations where uh, we're hearing news and notes all over the place. Somebody mentioned earlier today that Mo Blackwell might be a possibility of transferring. We heard he just signed a new lease, uh, apartment lease. Uh, he was a former roommate, by the way, of Casey Kane. Uh, Kane, of course, transferring to UNLV, uh, but Blackwell just signing a new apartment lease uh, earlier today. So we think he's most likely staying. Jake Majors already signed an apartment lease. A lot of this stuff is known. Uh, but uh, uh, interesting overall uh, for the Longhorns right now. A lot of news and a lot of different pieces uh, trying to fall into place uh, for Texas. Uh, CJ and, and Rod, we're going to take questions from the audience, talk a little bit about it. Uh, I think it's very interesting that we've got uh, CJ, uh, CJ Daniels coming in, as well as Jambari Caldwell potentially coming in right now as well. Let's go ahead and get it going uh, and start it out. Here goes with uh, Peyton Ross. Can you all touch on how Texas is losing so many pieces at DT after this season? Could it be detrimental to our success next year? Rod, I'm going to let you go first, buddy. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it could be. I think that's why you're hearing the uh, reports about them bringing in the U of H defensive lineman, uh, Jamari Caldwell. And it's really important that they can bring in some veteran pieces, some proven commodities uh, in that interior D-line. Now, you know Bo Davis is, you know, the best interior D-line coach in the country. So he, I think he'll have the guys ready to play. Alfred Collins, you know, Vernon Bryden, some of your frontline guys. But CJ brought it up. Texas has had a heavy rotation at the interior D line. It's been part of that, you know, that depth that we've been talking about. They've been the, arguably the deepest D line, interior D line in the country the last two years. I don't know if that's going to be the case this year because you lost so much, right? You've had multiple, you're, at least you're going to have multiple interior D linemen drafted in back to back years. Uh, there's got to be a kind of natural deplete, depletion, if you will, of the talent there. So, yeah, man, this, this is what this is what the transfer portal is for, right? And Texas has talked about. You know, they don't necessarily want to build through the transfer portal. They want to have organic uh, roster construction through a recruiting. But when there's an emergency, urgent need, this is when you go to the transfer portal to supplement. And I think you will see Texas make a move and bring in an interior D lineman through the transfer portal. And prior to this, I remember us talking about it, Bobby. And you guys weren't sure necessarily if Texas was going to pursue an interior D lineman, but the circumstances have changed a little bit. And I think now they want to make sure they bring in more of a proven playmaker in the interior D line. And uh, Caldwell is certainly that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, BJ Majors asking, what schools did Daniel go to? I'm late. He is from Liberty, had 55 catches, 10 touchdowns on the year. Uh, CJ, this kind of fits the narrative of what we've been talking about, what Texas may want in the transfer portal at the receiver position. Absolutely. You've been mentioning this, you know, throughout the week that if Texas makes a move in the in the portal for a wide receiver, they're going to want a guy with wide receiver one qualities. I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I've, you know, prior to this stream pulled up a few highlights of CJ Daniels just to get an idea of what he brings to the table. And he's a high flying big body wide receiver that can make the plays down the field that Texas so desperately covets at the wide receiver position. Uh, we saw it this year with A.D. Mitchell specifically, you know, kind of stretching the field. The double, you know, out and go uh, was a, a big play against Oklahoma State. We obviously saw the back shoulder fade, you know, maybe one too many times against Washington. But the touchdown there was was one that was really a wow factor play. You watch C.J. Daniels at Liberty. That's all it is. Caden Slate, uh, Slater was hucking that thing deep to C.J. Daniels, and he was coming down with the, uh, with, with the football more times than not. Big, explosive uh, wide receiver. And when you kind of compare that to what Texas has right now in the room, he carves out a role for himself. You know, Matthew Golden, a good intermediate kind of uh, twitchy guy underneath. Jontae Cook, a well-rounded receiver as well. Neither of them, I would say, are, are burners off the top, nor are they big bodies that Texas, you know, in Sarkeesian kind of wants to have one per year. We see it with Ryan Wingo right now and Parker Livingstone in the new class. These are bigger bodies that they want to get acclimated into this offense so they can take the, the, the deep shots down the field. Yep, absolutely. I think that what they needed, in my opinion, uh, it was some more guys that had some age to them. You have all these young guys, too. I mean, yes, I mean, Matthew Golden's going to be the senior receiver in that room, and he's really only a junior, right? <laughs> uh, this will be a fifth-year guy. He's already graduated college, uh, but he has two years remaining. His name's C.J. Daniels out of Liberty, 6200, uh, originally from Lilburn, Georgia, Parkview. That's in the uh, – Atlanta metro area, a really, really good school that's put out a number of NFL players, uh, by the way, as well. Uh, all right. Uh, he was injured, I believe, as a as a junior after having a really solid sophomore campaign, CJ. I think he had 38 catches 
uh, two years ago, then only had three last year. Uh, so, uh, look, uh, we've got y'all's questions. If you guys have any questions for us, please let us know uh, and we'll get right to you uh, and we'll try to get this going. Uh, here's one uh, for you guys. Uh, Trill Carter from Mixture Talk Too Much. Trill wasn't going to be an impact guy, hardly was healthy and didn't make a much of explosive plays. I agree with that assessment. Okay. But he didn't make a, a lot of plays at Minnesota either. That's not always what you need out of the defensive tackles. They need to be space eaters, right, Rod? Yep. Space eaters, uh, guys who can clog gaps. Hell, honestly, what you really want from them is what kind of what Tavondre Sweat provides is a guy that demands a double team. Uh, and pretty much, and when you demand a double team, oftentimes you're not going to make a lot of plays. Matter of fact, it's going to be hard for you to make any play, but you actually create the plays. <laughs> right, you create the plays because you're going to flip uh, flip the numbers advantage in favor of the defense because they're going they're going to need two offensive linemen to block your one defensive lineman, and that's really what you want from some of those interior D linemen. You want them to be able to uh, clog up gaps, be able to eat up space, and you want them to be able to demand blockers. And that's ideally, especially in a PK defense, that's what he wants. If he, especially if he go if he's if he's going toward that that defense he ran at Washington, which was that essentially that that two. For uh, even that two four five defense, where he bases two down linemen, the overhang edge rushers, the two off ball linebackers inside, and then your five DBs, which is where I think they might be going. If that's the case, then those interior D linemen become even more important. Got it. Uh, hey, by the way, uh, Auburn is hosting CJ Daniels for an official visit today. Uh, that's Hugh Freeze was the head coach at Liberty. Don't forget that, guys. Oh, um, and so. Uh, he is expected to be there on on uh, today. He's expected in Austin on Sunday, uh, so be be aware of that. Uh, hopefully, he makes it to sun to Sunday uh, before he commits elsewhere. What did you have, CJ? I also just wanted to mention Auburn's also in the thick of things. They have two five-star wide receivers in the 2024 class with Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson already committed, already signed, and they're in the mix right now for Ryan Williams, the reclassified five-star wide receiver uh, from 2025 to 2024. So. They're making a push for a wide receiver right now. I think Texas provides a little bit more of a straight shot to the field immediately for a grown uh, kind of experienced wide receiver. But that is something to monitor as we see, you know, Hugh Freeze start to bolster up that wide receiving room once again. Yeah, He's trying to recreate what he did at Ole Miss with mm -hmm. the A.J. Browns and Laquan Treadwells, those kind of guys, right? Y'all yeah. Evan Ingram was a, the tight end that he had there. That's how he beat. Alabama. It wasn't his defense that beat Alabama. It was the offense that beat Alabama. Y'all agree? Great point. Definitely. All right. All right. Um, we got the other stuff. Uh, interestingly, I, I don't know if y'all know this. Auburn fired its offensive coordinator, by the way, Philip Montgomery. Uh, so <laughs> thanks to Blake Monroe mm -hmm. for uh, making sure I knew that right now. Uh, some other no news and notes. William Nish compared to other Blue Blood programs. We have been lucky with portal players and NFL de declarations. Um, look, I don't know about NFL declarations. I mean, yeah. let's wait and see what JT Sanders does. We think both he and Adonai Mitchell are almost assuredly going pro, but Jonathan Brooks is a little bit of a tough loss, even though Texas may have some guys ready to go. Uh, but they Xavier Worthy's gone, Byron Murphy's gone. Just about every junior that could go looks like they're going. So I don't know about NFL declarations as, as it relates to the portal. I definitely think Texas has made out like a bandit so far. Now we still got a couple more days to watch, but so far so good, CJ. 
Yeah, I was I was going to add there's still a few days left. You know, Texas coming off of a run to the college football semifinal uh, is going to help retain, you know, some guys that might have been on the fence. You look at uh, Texas A&M, they're at 16. Oklahoma's at 17 portal entrance. Texas just reached 10 today. That number still is expected to probably rise about a handful, maybe a little bit less. But uh, right now, you know, you have to be appreciative of the culture that Texas is instilling in the in Austin right now, uh, wanting to keep these guys on campus and, and, and like you said, they're going out and finding some of the best portal additions uh, to to, our, uh, to counteract, you know, some of the NFL declarations that we've seen so far. Yeah. When the guys are leaving, they're going to accomplish their dreams, right? They're, they're leaving to go to the NFL, not necessarily leaving to go to another opportunity or go for another opportunity at another school. I agree with CJ. That's a testament to the culture. Harder than ever to have a culture like Sark's got in the NIL transfer portal era. And I know people don't like the guys leaving to go to NFL because you're losing your best players. But guys, it's going to be kind of a, a sweet, <laughs> kind of a sweet victory once again for Texas on the recruiting trail um, when it comes to the NFL draft because they're going to have a, this is going to be one of the best drafts Texas football has ever had. So I know guys are leaving, but that's actually another testament to what Sark and his staff have done. That's talent development. We don't get to talk about this many guys getting drafted. We haven't been able to talk about this many guys getting drafted in a long time. Um, so Senior Bowl is going to be littered with uh, Longhorn prospects. So bitter, bittersweet, guys are leaving, but be happy for them. And also be happy because the, the reputation, the narrative that Texas had at one point, they couldn't develop talent. And if you went to Texas, you know, you ne- it wouldn't necessarily uh, help you achieve your NFL dreams. That will be that's, that's going to be shattered. All right. They're going to they're going to shatter that narrative coming up this NFL draft. All right, so yeah, this is the Friday you, afternoon Longhorn live stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers up top there, CJ Vogel on on uh, on the side as well, guys. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff going on here. Just to recap, some breaking news. Uh, first, Jonathan Brooks, the Texas running back, has elected to go into the NFL draft. Uh, Texas also hoping to get two recruits, transfer portal recruits, on campus this weekend, including Liberty wide receiver CJ Daniels who's expected at Auburn today. He had 55 catches for uh, for 10 touchdowns for Liberty. Uh, he's expected on campus at Texas, or at least they're hoping to get him in on Sunday. Uh, then you also have Jamari Caldwell, the defensive lineman uh, out of the University of Houston. He went into the transfer portal. He also expected to be on campus over the weekend. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Then on Texas football, also reporting, and this is what I was told, Bo Davis is, quote, expected to remain at the University of Texas. He was wooed by multiple schools, including LSU and others. Uh, he takes uh, fields calls just about each and every year with his development uh, track record that he has on the defensive line. There's obvious reason uh, for that. All right, a uh, couple other questions that, that we had coming in here. Uh, one from Kyle Wachowska. We're going to be taking y'all's questions the rest of the way here. Uh, did I hear Bobby say four guys went in the portal today? Can someone name the four? No, just one. Just one, and that is Trill Carter, uh, the uh, defensive lineman out of uh, Minnesota, uh, by or out of Georgia originally by way of Minnesota, and he is leaving to be a grad transfer uh, for this year. All right, uh, guys, let's let's take a, a step back. Rod, you mentioned the NFL draft, okay? And I think this is important to note, uh, if at all possible. I'm counting a possibility of ten different guys that could go in the NFL draft. How how likely is that? Because I'm gonna I want to give you the list of names and you tell me where you think they kind of go. Okay. 
And I and there's that first group, which is Tavondre Sweat, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, JT Sanders, and probably Byron Murphy. Those five, do you know where you feel like those guys are going to go? And then the next five, Jay Brooks, Jonathan Brooks, Christian Jones, Jalen Ford, Jay Witt, and Jade Barron. Where do you think Sweat, Worthy, Mitchell, Sanders, and Murphy all go? I know. Think about it. Yeah, those guys seem like top 100 guys, right? Top 100 guys in your first three rounds, pretty much, right? That's your top 100 because you get the top three. Is you get to 96 with all the play. And some teams don't have a first round pick, so I'm just just spitballing. And then yep. you get the there's a compensatory picks, and they start throwing in the compensatory picks after that, so they'll end up with you know more than that actual number. So I think that group that you just named, those are top 100 guys. I think Ad Mitchell from all the mocks that I look at, he's the end. He's a, you know, uh, you're talking about maybe the end of the first round to the top of the second round. S- Xavier Worthy is probably more of a second round guy. Uh, Tavondre Sweat, uh, by you know, the end of the first round, somewhere around there. Byron Murphy is a guy that I've seen uh, mock, you know, around the second round, somewhere around there. I think uh, for him, JT Sanders is probably after Brock Bowers is off the board, the top tight end. He's probably going to be the next tight end taken. Uh, next, I don't know if there'll be a run on tight ends in the first round. Some team really likes him. He's probably going to be a second round, uh, maybe even a third round guy, just because of the value of tight end. Teams don't usually draft tight ends high. Last year they did, though. They started drafting a lot of tight ends. It was a deep tight end draft last year, though. But I like the two tight ends at the top of this draft, uh, Brock Bowers and JT Sanders. Um, who else did you throw out there? Jalen Ford. Jalen Ford. Ford. Oh, no, yeah, there's, so there's a second group. Okay. Right? So Sweat. Worthy, Mitchell, Sanders, and Murphy are the top 100 caliber guys. I think so. Right, yeah. Then the second group starts probably with Jonathan Brooks and Jalen Ford, but also includes Christian Jones, Jade Barron, and Jordan Whittington. Do you think all of those guys will be drafted? Do you think, I don't know, Christian Jones or Jade Barron might be undrafted free agents? What's your best guess on those guys at this point in time? Yeah, that's that. And I think Jalen Ford, obviously, he's going to get drafted of that group you're talking about. I think he's there's no question. Um, and you know, the, Jordan Whittington, honestly, I love me some Jay Witt. I do. There's a, a good chance Jay Witt won't be drafted. Uh, just because, first of all, wide receiver is the deepest position in football, in my opinion. This is a really deep wide receiver draft. They're talking about three wide receivers going in the top 10, potentially, right? So they're going to be a run on wide receivers, but it's a really deep position and it's deep in this particular draft. That'll push him down. Also, the injury background, right? They're going to look at the injury history and it is extensive, as we know. Uh, doesn't necessarily tell you a lot about the character of Jay Witt, but his injury history is extensive. That's going to drop him down even more. What's good for him, though, is he is playing in the Senior Bowl. So whatever teams are going to coach the Senior Bowl, have really? I don't think I know exactly what teams those are. He'll be able to impress some scouts and some teams in the Senior Bowl. That's important for him. Um, I think he, he's a guy that can get on the roster, but I think he'll be likely an undrafted free agent. Jade Barron's interesting. I think a team will take a flyer on Jade Barron late. I do. I, I just think he's, he's his football instincts are too good. If you're watching film on Texas, he jumps off. And he jumps off the screen. And when you're watching film on Tavondre Sweat, watching film on Jalen Ford, you know, watching film on all these guys, Byron Murphy on defense, it's going to be hard not to see Jaday Barron and go, damn, he's a, good, he's a really good player. Let me go do some research on him. So I, I do think Jaday Barron will be drafted. I do. I just think he'll be a late round, late round draft pick. Yeah, I actually spoke with somebody today in regards to Longhorn's uh, Longhorn hopefuls in the NFL draft. Jade was a guy who was 
mentioned uh, with with very high regard. They mentioned the third to fifth round. Yep. Uh, the the biggest concern with Jade is are his measurables going to be up to par with guys also being taken in that that you know part of the draft? Uh, the the film, the instincts, and and just talking to Jade will lead him higher up draft boards. But there is a little bit of a concern about how well he will test at the combine. And so I, I'd lean towards more of that fourth or fifth round for Jade. Uh, I, I do think he will be taken, at least from my conversation earlier today, that third to fifth round is where, you know, people are kind of toying and, and predicting him right now. But I'm leaning a little bit more towards that back end right there. Good stuff. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if Texas actually dominoes here. You know what I mean by that, Rod and, and CJ? Like we've talked about, you know, how many guys would get drafted – for almost a, almost six to nine months now leading yeah. into this preseason campaign, like how many true draftable players? It's exactly about what we thought, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's a big deal. I think it's I think it's really big because uh, to to Rod's point, he brings this up all the time. Meeting expectations of players going into the the league that's only going to help backfill when it comes to recruiting when it comes to portal, when it comes to player satisfaction on campus. Mm -hmm. Look, if if they see 10 guys going in the NFL. Exactly. They're they're saying, well, if I can't do it, then it's on me. It's not on this program. It's not on the coaching. Yeah, (laughs) it's not on the coaching. It's on the program. It's on me. And so they start believing a little bit more, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Amen. One after the other. All right. Uh, all right, uh, got a lot of stuff going on today. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Bo Davis expected to return to the University of Texas. Uh, Rod, what do you think B- Bo Davis returning, the defensive line coach, means to, to that team? I mean, take away his actual coaching and development, okay. but that speech at on the bus in, at Iowa State is now iconic, right? And has been for a couple of years. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, he's almost their um, emotional emotional leader, like the emotional catalyst uh, for this team, too. And I think that's why Sark really likes his presence around there. I mean, he's intense. If you've been around Will Davis, he's intense. But I think Sark likes that intensity. And um, he brings a certain um, – it's a certain vibe that Coach Davis has about him, that Bo Davis has about him. It's an edge to Bo Davis, and that's an edge you bring to your program when you have Bo Davis there. I think that's, that's aside from the development, aside from his uh, tutelage as a, a D-line coach, just his disposition right, and his personality. I do think he brings your football team an edge. And, and where do you want that edge? In the trenches. I want my edge in the trenches, man. I want, I want guys in the trenches to have a little mean, a little nasty to them. And Byron Murphy's got some nasty to him. And Tavondre Sweat, you know, that's got a little nasty to him. We want Alfred Collins to have some more mo- mean and nasty to him. He ain't got enough of it. And Bo Davis got 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 plenty of it. He's got enough to spare. I think he passes it down to those guys. So I, I think that's what he brings, man. He, you could need coaches. And oh, and by the way, line coaches are like that. Um, most of the O line coaches I know are, are intense guys like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I knew O line coaches in the league that smoked black and miles at practice. I mean. I knew O-line, I mean, O-line coach in high school was a, a former Vietnam vet. He was wild, man. He was just, he was, he was crazy. He was wild, man. But it, you know, but that's just, I think line coaches and line play lends itself to certain types of personalities. And Bo Davis, he's got that edge where 
that's not a guy you want to mess with. That's he's an f around and find out kind of dude, and you don't want to <laughs> f around. With him. Yeah, that is that is uh, very true. Yeah, that's that's kind of that <laughs> kind of embodies what you're talking about. There is like you, it's just a guy you don't want to mess with if he's on a, especially if he's having a bad day. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> he's got a bad day. I don't I don't necessarily want to see him that day. Uh, this is David Keith Williams, the foundation of DT Strength at Texas. Will remain Coach Davis as long as he's at UT. Uh, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy were All-Americans this season, playing half a game. A lot of truth in that, guys. Uh, DT production at UT is based on depth. How many? What was their snap production this year, uh, CJ? Because I know you keep track, keep tabs on that. What were they as a percentage of total uh, year on the year? Yeah, it was actually interesting. They varied anywhere from about 45 to about 60% of the snaps in a given game. I know that there are some outliers there. Texas, you know, obviously blew out a couple teams uh, late in the fourth quarter, which cut down on some snaps. Uh, I want to say they were right above like 58, 59% uh, for the Washington game. And, you know, as, as we've talked about, the rest of the depth for that offense or defensive line room has now, you know, kind of created some question marks. So if you're losing that much production and that much snap count, uh, Texas is going to have to, you know, fill that void just a bit. Uh, and it certainly is going to help having Alfred Collins coming back because he was only down around the 35 to 40 range, uh, percent range for most of the season, yet still being pretty impactful when on the field. So will Alfred Collins make that next step up, both with production, but also with a larger snap volume share as well? Uh, that's kind of the biggest factor and question mark right now with Alfred. Fair enough. Hey, I'm getting some questions about other people declaring like Jaron Thompson, uh, Jade Barron. We expect all those guys to move on. Uh, Barron is not declared. Uh, it is a unique situation this year, though, uh, because of COVID. Some of these guys could have an extra year to still yep. play, but uh, we believe Jade Barron's headed on to the NFL at this point. Uh, Jaron Thompson, uh, not sure what his plans are at this point. One guy we do expect back is Jake Majors. Uh, does Jake Majors returning send some younger linemen to the portal? Is it worth it? Well, I'm, I'm going to say this. Rod, would you rather have a four-year starter at center going into the SEC or a first-year first, first year starter going into the SEC at center? I'd rather have a four-year starter at any position uh, going <laughs> the SEC rather than a first-year starter, no matter what it is. But especially at center, you're talking about – you know, the quarterback of the offensive line. He's, he, he's talking about a high IQ football position, uh, a, a critical position. So I'm with you. I think te- having a veteran there, we, we assume Quinn is coming back. We haven't had the announcement yet, but we assume it's coming back. You know, you have the a veteran center coming back with a veteran quarterback and four of the five of your offensive line. I think that's where the optimism starts. And you know you got pieces in the backfield and you got a great running back coach who may be the best running back coach in the country. And you got an offensive line that should win the Joe Moore Award next year. Honestly, let's be honest, we're real about it. Christian Jones said it was their goal at the beginning of this season. I think they were semifinalists for it. Uh, they got some their stats. You can put them up against Washington stats, uh, statistics wise. But we know that's not where that award is won. That award was won and in other areas, and we saw that on the field right? during the Sugar Bowl. A lot of people were talking about why the Washington Huskies win that Joe Moore award. They shouldn't have won that award. They got a 275-pound center. Blah, blah, blah. Well, we saw why they won the award, right? It's a good old line because they work as a cohesive unit. I think this is an offensive line that should be able to um, win the Joe Moore award. So I, I think the optimism next year starts with the trenches. 
Um, and that's why the D tackle room is so important for a lot of low end fans right now. Uh, they want to have confidence that that group will be able to have the same type of dominant presence they've had the last two years. And I, it's, it's interesting. I can't tell you right now that they will, uh, because that's based on Alfred Collins. A lot of it will be based on Alfred Collins. Is he, is he ready now to finally have that breakout campaign? And why wouldn't he? You saw it with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. And before that, we saw it with Colburn and Ojimo. There's no reason it shouldn't be him this season. And I think, like you said, he's seen it happen in front of him. And he's probably more incentivized than ever that, all right, it's my turn. It's my time. And I hope it is. Yeah, I hope it is too. I, I think that he's got to he's got to put that in and make that a priority for himself and get out of the, uh, you know, Tavondre Sweat took a little bit of getting out of his own way. Yeah, well, and that's the best way to put it uh, to actually make football first uh, as it relates to his uh, his hard work and effort. And look, he's going to be handsomely rewarded for that. Handsomely. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, question from Albert Pola here. Does UT feel confident that Caldwell has good enough grades to transfer to the 40 acres? Uh, there was some concern about that early on in this process, but Texas has continued to recruit him. So I think that that hurdle has been cleared uh, and not really uh, that concerned about it uh, any further, uh, at least at this point. Um, hey, guys, uh, Rod, you were mentioning the defensive tackles. Someone else, uh, William Nish, asked if, they would take multiple defensive tackles now that Trill Carter is gone. Mm. I mean, adding a guy like Caldwell, who you know is a starter, by the way, yeah, is a big piece. That, that goes a long way towards filling that void, right? That that yeah. that says, okay, we added a piece that we know is going to be. I mean, look, it may be thirty. If CJ's point, it may be seventy snaps a game, and you're looking for for four people to have thirty five a piece. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, four different defensive tackles. If you get an Andre, uh, a Jamari Caldwell, that's thirty-five of them. You think Alfred yep. Collins get thirty-five? You think um, uh, Vernon Broughton get thirty-five? You're hoping then that either Sadir Mitchell, Aaron Bryant, one of those guys can come up and and do it. Is that enough, or is the are the offensive lines in the SEC so good uh, and so much bigger? that they kind of negate those players a little bit. I mean, or do you just have to be a freak in, in, in the SEC to make that a real real issue? Any it's thoughts on that either of you? They definitely are bigger. I mean, the offensive linemen, there have been you know, studies done. I mean, size-wise, they're bigger. But that's why Sark has his big humans <laughs> initiative, right? He's trying to keep up with not the SEC. He said it's initially his big humans campaign was about – building and constructing the roster to compete in the college football playoff. Now that just so happens to be a lot of SEC teams. So you're going to have the commonalities, but you know, I I'm with you. That's a great point about the rotation at D tech. This made this, this made this Texas defense um, uniquely um, giving them a unique advantage, right? Because they, they've had a rotation of four NFL and if you throw Alfred Collins in there, I think he's an NFL guy too, whether he becomes one of the best D, D linemen in the country, which he has the physical tools to do, that remains a question. But if, even if he went to the NFL this year, somebody would have looked at Alfred Collins at the combine or the senior bowl and went, okay, I'll take a late round fly on you, no doubt. I don't even really need to watch much film. <laughs> I need to look at you and I'll do it because he's got that type of physical uh, presence. But I think for Texas next season – I'm going to say right now some they're going to have to pick up some slack in other areas, mainly on the edge, because I just don't know if you're going to have the dominant presence of 
a rotation of four NFL defensive linemen. And I'm thinking about two years ago when you had Sweat and Murphy behind Ojimo and behind Kim J. Colbert, and that was your rotation. And this year it was Sweat and Murphy, and your rotation was throw in uh, Alfred Collins and throw in some Vernon Broughton every now and then a little trill Carter, and then that filled it out. But that's still, I mean, you're still talking about three NFL defensive linemen, in my opinion, in that group. Um, and now you're coming back with just Alfred Collins, um, yeah, as your main line guy. Jamari Caldwell acquisition potentially, it's it's pivotal. I mean, it's crucial to have a proven commodity, somebody you can put out there who has done it at a really high level consistently. Because even Alfred Collins, I, I think he's great, but what he has is are flashes. What you want is he can, a baseline of consistency from Alfred Collins, and that will be the challenge this year. We've seen great flashes from him where – I mean, honestly, he, it looks like he he has the highest upside of any of those D linemen in that room <laughs> just because of his physical tools. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to, to meet and exceed expectations. So, yeah, man, the Jamari Caldwell, to me, the Jamari Caldwell recruitment, the acquisition, whatever you want to call it, is uh, it's pivotal at this time. And I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what would be the plan B if you don't get that guy. I, I yeah. think there's one more point to be made here real quick. It's – as, as precise as we've seen Texas approach the portal, they're doing it very carefully to not upset the guys that are already in that room who we're expecting to be probably a little bit more on the field a year from now, but more of a bridging of the gap. They're going to go get a big-time playmaker, contributor at wide receiver, at a safety with Makuba. We've obviously talked about Trey Moore on the, def- on the edge as well. If Caldwell is that guy for the defensive line, the interior, you're looking at a guy who – Probably won't be, you know, over, you know, taking over too many snaps for a long period of time before those next guys are ready to roll and get, you know, on the field. So I think that's another facet of how Texas is approaching the portal. They're getting guys that are NFL ready who have produced on the field, but not necessarily taking away from uh, what I would say the faith and trust of those players and why they committed to Texas in its entirety because they thought they were going to be developed and get on the field by the time they were juniors or seniors or whatever it may be. So that's something I think they're towing the line with very carefully and done a very good job so far. Guys, I want to get y'all's take, especially yours, Rod. I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, uh, Oklahoma uh, and Ted Roof, their defensive coordinator, mutually parted ways uh, yesterday, and they have hired Zach Alley, uh, the coordinator out of Jacksonville State, uh, who was a former Clemson assistant. Uh, Now Oklahoma going into the SEC with a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive line, a new quarterback, and a new defensive coordinator. What do you think about that for the Sooners? Wow. And there's talk that they're not bringing back much on the O-line either, right? I don't – I think they – all of the O line is gone. All of the O line is gone. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, that's uh, that's that's troubling. Uh, if, you're, if you're any Oklahoma fan, that's got to be troubling. If you're a Longhorn fan, I'm sure you're relishing in it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I understand the move on uh, on defense. Um, I think he's just trying to get someone a little bit more creative and someone kind of younger who has a lot more uh, kind of modern uh, modern concepts more progressive concepts on defense. Um, so I think that's just kind of where Brent Venables is going. And I totally get that. But the the turnover is something that, you know, Texas has tried to avoid. It's tried, they tried to avoid that kind of turnover. And they've had the good kind where coaches leave and get hired. Uh, but when Sark has been pressured uh, to make a change uh, somewhere on the staff, he has not. He has tried to remain consistent on that. And, you know, the same terminology, the same 
system same you know, technique being taught it, it does matter i mean it, it it helps you in terms of your comfort level uh in that scheme in that system and it helps with your developmental rate uh, how quickly uh you can grasp concepts how quickly you can achieve and, and uh, actually uh you know play well within a system uh, i talked to some of the guys about that and even you know guys like you know, Jalen Ford, who had been with another staff and talked about the the continuity and now they're dealing with you know another coach being hired, Jeff Choate. So, yeah, I think Sark is he's, he's certain principles that he has decided that are he's really committed to. And I think one of them was I'm not making changes for the sake of making changes. I'm not going to let the tail wag the dog here. We're going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to vet the coaches I want and I'm going to stick with them. And that's going to help you actually helps you recruit other coaches, too. Because but no coach wants to be on a staff where everybody's nervous on pins and needles because everybody potentially could be fired at any time. You'd like a coach to stick with you, you know, through some hard times while you get, you know, solve some problems. I always say coaches are problem solvers while you solve some problems and then you get better. And look what happened. Everybody wanted PK fired after the first year. And now your defense top five in crucial areas and getting better. So it's yeah, I think I think for it's a compliment to what you're seeing on the 40 acres. And it's tough if you're a sooner uh, having that much turnover. But Texas has been there before. Right. Well, as a program, Texas was there like five, five, six years ago. They were in the same position. Yeah, this is what I would say to that. Usually, Rod, when things like this occur on this, whether offensive coordinator or offense coordinator, defense coordinator, new quarterback and new offensive line, you're talking about blowing out an entire staff usually don't get that much turnover and the head coach stays, right? Alabama just did it this year. Yeah, but Al- yeah, that's a great point. Alabama just did it. The GOAT. Yeah, but he's uh, the GOAT. They had, they had some offensive linemen coming back. Let's be clear about that. Though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had four NFL linemen coming back as starters. But yeah, and they I, weren't going into a tougher conference. No, no, they weren't accelerating or amping up competition level. All right, good stuff there, Rod. Uh, CJ. Hey, this one from Professor Panther. As much as I don't want him to, wouldn't it be smarter for Quinn to leave for the draft this year with our way with the way our wide receiver room looks next year? Hmm. What do you think, hmm. CJ? In theory, it would make sense because you're gonna walk into this year that thinking, you know, there won't be as many playmakers on the outside for yours to throw the ball to, to you know, kind of boost the stats and make catches that normally probably wouldn't be. Uh, hauled in with a new sl- slate of wide receivers, but there's there's got to be an increased performance on the field, a consistent level of play on the field from Quinn Ewers. I thought he was good this year. I thought at times he was very good this year, uh, but there's still some lulls in that game that I don't think NFL teams who, for GMs especially, put their life and, and job on the line when they draft quarterbacks to go out and draft a Quinn Ewers early in the draft, which is what he would want. With extra eligi- uh, uh, ooh, boy. eligibility available for Quinn Ewers, it makes sense to come back and kind of ease and solve and, and, and resolve all of the questions that currently surround his on-field play. So it makes all the sense in the world to come back, kind of piece together what we are now expecting to be a pretty solid wide receiving core, uh, given the uh, you know current interest in C.J. Daniels as well. So it, it's all about proving – once again, for Quinn Ewers, that he is making that continual jump in his development, something that we saw at spurts this time, but not consistently enough to be in that first or second round conversation. Yep. And maybe he's been, you know, seeing these guys in practice too. And he's like, hey, we're not bereft of talent. 
you got some guys that can go. Maybe he, you know, likes him some young Jante Cook out there. And, you know, he's and, and Sark, listen, Sark's a wide receiver guy. Sark's Sark loves him some wide receivers. His system is wide receiver friendly. Um, Sark's not gonna allow uh his system to be to to underachieve and be limited because of the, the lack of wide receiver talent. So he's got something up his sleeve, either with as CJ just mentioned, with CJ Daniels coming in or the Matthew Golden thing. because uh, Sark, he from what I understand, he is a lot, he's really hands-on with the wide receivers in his offense. And that's why his wide receiver rotation is so tight. That circle of trust I talk about, not everybody penetrates it because he's so hands-on with them. If you're a, a wide receiver who ain't getting it done, who doesn't run precise routes, who doesn't always have the right, you know, checks and audibles and sight adjustments, you ain't gonna play because he's out there hands-on with them. And he's like, nah, I don't, I, nope, you're not in the circle of trust. Oh, you used to be in a circle of trust like Casey Kane, and nope, now you're not, right? It's, it's three or four guys in that circle of trust for Sark. And right now, I think obviously the trouble, the troublesome uh, issue is you don't really know who is in that circle. We assume Jontae Cook is in there. That's about it. I think Matthew Golden will end up in that circle of trust too. And hell, I, who knows? Another freshman might end up in there. From what, from what CJ tells me about my man Ryan Wingo, looking like a, a freak of nature out there, he may crack the circle of trust because he looks like he looks like he a dude. He's got size, speed, hands. He's got it all. He's 10 dude, five, 500 meter plus 6'2 size, 200 pounds. Uh, mm-hmm. Casey wanted to know, have you all heard anything about Samaje Burrell, how, in he, how he has looked? Obviously, he was redshirting. Not only was he redshirting, guys, he actually is behind Leonga LaFowle right now, too at that yeah. middle linebacker role. So I have not heard much on that of late, uh, but uh, something to consider given that as of right now, he wasn't a midterm enrollee, whereas LaFowle was, and LaFowle kind of took the ball and ran with it at mm. that position. Uh, something there. Uh, Drew Wim asking about, what about the battle between Connor and Neto at left guard? Uh, guys, I mentioned this morning on Coffee and Football that uh, Neto Umiozulu is one of those guys whose light bulb really came on maybe the last three weeks of the season and then going into the winter workouts prior to the bowl game, coaches mm-hmm. really kind of circled him and said, look, this dude is starting to come on. Uh, furthermore, you mentioned to Hay- Hayden Connor. I'm being told that Hayden Connor might be kicking out to right tackle and he and Cam Williams are going to have a little bit of a battle. And at left guard, it's going to be Neto and Cole Hudson having a little Ooh. bit of a battle. How fun is that? Hayden? It doesn't mean that Hayden Connor can't, Flop back to left guard or any of that other stuff. Hmm. Just that's that's where they're going to try to build uh, what I would call excellent depth yep. along the defense or along the offensive front. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are those are uh, interesting issues to consider. Hey, uh, CJ, this is one for you. Why didn't S- Colin Simmons, the edge rusher, uh, five star prospect out of Duncanville, that is the class of the UT football class, why didn't he play in the Under Armour All American game? He was nursing a, a high ankle sprain that he suffered midway through the season. We talked about his production and, and certainly his disruption in the state title game, uh, but he's doing so on a hobbled foot, and he did so for the for that basically the last six or seven weeks of the season. Uh, so with the, the early en- enrollee uh, window coming up for Texas, I, I believe most of the guys are moving in on the 14th or the 15th. Uh, Colin, you know, took the cautious approach, said, you know, I'm going to come into school 100% healthy so I can – you know, really get up to speed as fast as possible in the weight room and in winter conditioning. So he took off the week of activity in Orlando to ensure that his foot and his ankle were uh, 100% when, by the time he gets down to Austin. Good mm. stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, hey, this is a, a question I want to answer. Uh, Jerry Crave has, 
Uh, regarding NIL, how does an injury to an athlete impact, impact NIL money? It may vary, but in general, do players stop receiving money when they get hurt? It all depends on the contract. Wow. You know, if, if most of them do not stop, though, I'll be I'll be blunt about that. Most of them do not stop. Uh, all right. Uh, Travis or Trevor Gentry with this uh, super chat. We appreciate you, Trevor, and everybody that, that uh, sends in these questions as well as super chats. Thank you very much. Is Trey Moore an immediate impact guy? Is Trey hmm. Moore an immediate impact guy? Rod or CJ, either one of you guys want to take a guess at that one? He better be. <laughs> he better be. Well, they, like, obviously, they need pass rush help and they need it now from the edge, right? We know that. We've talked about roster construction and how this team being ahead of schedule. I'm going to say it came back to haunt them, but they're ahead of schedule. So they're not necessarily done addressing all the areas and all the position groups all throughout the team. Most of them have been addressed uh, with some infusion of young, high level talent so they can kind of start, you know, replenishing over and over again. But honestly, one, two of the, the, play, the places are positions and areas of concern that they did not necessarily address. And it's not the coach's fault. They just haven't had enough acquisition cycles to do it was defensive back, all right, coverage specialist, and pass rush. They're just getting around to it, really. They've been developing talent really well, talent they inherited, but in terms of infusions of young, high-level talent in those areas of need, Colin Simmons, just getting to it, all right, just getting to it. They just, you know, uh, young Ethan Burt, right, coming in, uh, Colin Bassett, young guys coming in. Uh, you know, they're just getting to that. They're, they're, Trey Moore, now, okay, we need immediate help at pass rush pressure off the edge they're bringing it in so next year they will improve there uh this deep this class right the db class you got more dbs in this class than any other position group five of them and you hear start talking about them they can all cover they can all cover and they all can play different positions they all have versatility in their skill set even if kobe black don't want to play uh other positions sark's like he's a three position player here everybody is all right so they're they're they're, they're bringing in guys with versatility and coverage ability they just they just got around to it really and like I said, it's not their fault, but this team has had a schedule. We didn't expect them to play in the college football playoff, and they were built and constructed perfectly fine to whip the hell out of the Big 12 and the, and the Big 12 team in the Big 12 title game. But when you get to that higher level of competition, then they're going to they're gonna expose every weakness you got, and Washington's strength was specifically targeted at the biggest weakness for Texas, and it really an area of the roster they just hadn't addressed yet. They hadn't got – Derek Williams, they was getting there. They was – Piecemeal together. You got Derek Williams, Malik Muhammad. They were getting there, but now you're starting to see it over. They're going to overhaul this damn secondary in the next two acquisition cycles. As a matter of fact, I'll say that in the last one and this one, they got to overhaul the whole damn thing. And your pass rushing the edges are about to look a whole lot different too. When Colin Simmons and Trey Moore step in, it's going to look very different than a young Ethan Burke with one more year under his belt and a Baron Sorrell with, you know, a, a veteran Baron Sorrell. They're going to look very straight. They, you know, Anthony Hill's about to be that chess piece. They move around the chessboard. You never really know what he's going to be. Could be on the edge, could be off ball linebacker. Maybe they got him blitzing through the A to B gap. He's going to be that guy. So I think they're just, get, they're just getting to it. And it was unfortunately exposed uh, in the Washington game. That's okay. It was exposed because they were ahead of schedule. They just they they hadn't addressed it yet. They hadn't had time yet. They hadn't had enough cycles yet. That's all. All right, uh, that's uh, Rod Baber. He's got a couple, got some time for a few more uh, comments and questions uh, from the audience. I want to say this first. We need to go back over the news. If you're just joining us, uh, lots of news this afternoon. First of all, Jonathan Brooks, uh, the 
junior running back out of Hallettsville, has opted for the NFL draft, announcing his intentions at about 1 o'clock today. Uh, Brooks, uh, we wish him nothing but the best. Uh, he still is uh, trying to rehab from that ACL, so we don't know exactly what that's going to do to his draft stock. Also, we uh, on Texas Football reporting that Bo Davis – uh, is expected to return to Texas next year. Davis was wooed by multiple uh, other colleges, including LSU, uh, but we are being told that he is expected to return to Texas. That's a big hit, a uh, big lick for the Longhorns. Also, uh, Texas hoping to host two portal transfers uh, this weekend. Uh, Jamari Caldwell, defensive lineman out of uh, uh, University of Houston, six foot one, 325 pounds. And a wide receiver out of Liberty, C.J. Daniels, six foot two, 200 pounds, caught 55 balls as a uh, senior this past year. He will be a grad transfer. He is actually visiting Auburn later today as well. All right, uh, we've got this question coming up from Braylon Barnes. Wouldn't Quinn be the best returning QB in the country next year? Who besides Georgia has an elite level QB returning? Well, Oregon has Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> so yeah, I guess which of these quarterbacks is coming back for their eighth year now is the biggest question. <laughs> I saw yeah. Alan Bowman's returning as well, but I, I'm with you. And I think the Heisman odds even uh, mirror that as well. I think it was uh, Quinn Ewers and Carson Beck were the two uh, most or two favorites to win the 2024 Heisman uh, going into next year this far out. That's certainly encouraging uh, when you consider just how much of a load Quinn Ewers will have to take on uh, for this Texas offense. but. Right now, I, I we, we even brought up the, the graphic yesterday, Bobby, about the incoming SEC quarterbacks for 2024, and Quinn was the top of that list. So that's really encouraging to me. But, you know, I, I guess in today's age, you never know which of these guys are coming back for year seven, eight, and nine. It seemingly is all over the place. I, I tell you what, uh, it's it's been crazy. I, I will say this, Heisman odds, uh, Blake Monroe, uh, our Blake Monroe of Coffee and Football, he actually had – uh, went and did this. Heisman odds right now has Quinn Ewers favored at plus 750. The co-favorite, Jalen Milrow at 750. So that's a quarterback. Carson mm -hmm. Beck, who uh, Braylon mentioned, is at 850, plus 850. Dylan Gabriel, plus 1100. Will Howard, who just committed to uh, Ohio State at plus 1900. Connor Wigman, uh, Wigman uh, A&M's returning quarterback uh, right now at 1700. Got to think J.J. McCarthy at 1,900 is only at 1,900 because a lot of people think he might be heading to go pro at this point. Uh, all right, uh, other questions and concerns. This is going to be a big one for us, guys. Sark's contract. Uh, I, I uh, was talking to someone down in uh, New Orleans. That is a priority for Steve Sar uh, for not only Steve Sarkeesian, but also the University of Texas Chris athletic director, Chris Del Conte, as well as the administration as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, they'll probably work through that over the next week to two weeks. Uh, and then we can hear something from there. But uh, everything I am hearing that the two sides absolutely want to find a way to work together well into the future. Uh, both sides, I think, happy with the support. Uh, the one one another is giving uh, to them as a whole. Uh, all right, uh, guys, a couple other things uh, we got going on here today. Uh, Longhorns. Uh, got a basketball game over the weekend. Uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit. But really, the recruiting stuff is starting to pipe up again. Uh, we've mentioned Jamari Caldwell uh, as well as uh, C.J. Daniels coming in. 
Texas also looking at other guys as well. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see exactly who they try to bring in uh, and whatnot over the next week or two. We're waiting also for Texas uh, to find out if any other players are entering the portal. Someone mentioned Mo Blackwell might be entering the portal. Uh, we believe Mo Blackwell is not entering the portal at this point in time. He signed a lease on a new apartment today. That might that might give you a little hint. Uh, something yeah, well, did. <laughs> right? Rod's been there before. You have to sign a lease in Austin. That's that's a chunk of change. Um, hey, you know, man, it's the highest rent in the state. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. You need an NIL deal just to be able to afford to, to pay rent in Austin. Everybody need one. <laughs> CJ is over there. Bachelor, he's CJ is a bachelor, and he's over there shaking his head. Yes, living in Austin. I mean, it's I'm, I'm glad I'm out of West Campus, but man, I, it wasn't any <laughs> any better anywhere else. <laughs> All right, hey, this from Dave ATX. Any truth to the rumors that they are trying to get AD Mitchell more NIL money to stay? That that could happen and has been trying to happen, but I just don't think based on where he's going to go. Exactly. It's going to be able to get there. I mean, yep. CBS Sports on Wednesday, I believe it was, uh, put out its late, latest mock draft. A.D. Mitchell was going first of, over any other NF, or any other Texas Longhorn. They had it going 24th overall. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think Mitchell will end up 24th overall, but even second-round money is higher than basically any money that Texas would go for a non-quarterback. At this exactly. Point. So that, that's uh, that's – kind of a wishful thinking. I, I think there was some contemplation there prior, but I don't, I just don't think it's going to get there. Maybe it does. Maybe there's a su- special circumstances, but right now, Dave, I would not be counting I'm on that. Yeah. Uh, Edmund Lee, another super OTF news update. Thanks. Keep it going. Hook them horns. Edmund, thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us uh, a lot as often as you do and whatnot. Um, guys, uh, Anything y'all want to talk about here before we close up uh, for this Friday afternoon live stream? With how crazy uh, today has been, it wouldn't be surprising if we just walked in and and saw some other news up later tonight or early tomorrow. It's been a pretty crazy uh, uh, start to the day. It's only 2 o'clock, so a lot of time left. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, big prospects on campus this weekend, Bobby, as you've mentioned, as you reported. Uh, that's exciting for Texas to fill some of the voids and, and holes that are expected in 2024. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Let's let's look at this. I'm, I'm I'm thinking about that. Tomorrow is the deadline. Okay, for players, University of Texas players, to enter the portal. Now, some may enter it on the sixth and not be not be public until the eighth. Uh, we may hear some some rumbling and grumbling about that uh, behind the scenes. And then the next uh, you know deadline or date is January fifteenth, where they have to announce for the NFL draft. Okay. So th- those are the kind of pieces of the puzzle that we're all waiting on here. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this afternoon's live stream. We appreciate you guys joining us. Oh, wait, one more thing. Uh, uh, ESPN talking heads think yours portals because too much pressure for Arch to wow. start next season by Manning. No, that's untrue. Of course wow. they do. I'm glad ESPN talking has talking heads that aren't, you know, grasped in reality. I spoke to someone close to yours' uh, camp yesterday. There's no talk of such things uh, at all. You know, he's he he has not made it. He has not announced a decision at this point. I told y'all before he went into this whole situation. It was 95 to five. He's coming back. 
I'd go up to 98 to five, 98 to two now, wow. unless you guys want something else. Uh, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, really good situation there for Quinn Ewers returning. He wants to get another year under his belt. We talked about that magic number of 25 starts being mean, meaningful to him and his camp, uh, as well as the additional bulk and weight he can put on his frame. All right, for Rod Babers and C.J. Vogel, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been On Texas Football. Hook them, guys. Have a good weekend, y'all.